Natural Latents. The Math. By John S. Wentworth and David Laurel. Cross-posted from the AI Alignment Forum. May contain more technical jargon than usual. Natural latents are a relatively elegant piece of math which we figured out over the past year, in our efforts to boil down and generalize various results and examples involving natural abstraction. In particular, this new framework handles approximation well, which was a major piece missing previously. This post will present the math of natural latents, with a handful of examples but otherwise minimal commentary. If you want the conceptual story, and a conceptual explanation for how this might connect to various problems, that will probably be in a future post. While this post is not generally written to be a concepts post, it is generally written in the hope that people who want to use this math will see how to do so. Heading. Two variable theorems. This section will present a simplified but less general version of all the main theorems of this post, in order to emphasize the key ideas and steps. Subheading. Simplified fundamental theorem. Suppose we have a distribution, is a formula, over random variables, is a formula. A latent variable, lambda, which induces independence between x subscript 1 and x subscript 2. First diagram below. Another latent variable, is a formula, about which x subscript 1 and x subscript 2 give the same information. Second diagram below. Further, assume that, is a formula, mediates between lambda and, is a formula. Third diagram below. This last assumption can typically be satisfied by construction in the minimality and maximality theorems below. There's an image here, with the caption. Lambda induces independence between x subscript 1 and x subscript 2. There's an image here, with the caption. x subscript 1 and x subscript 2 give the same information about, is a formula. There's an image here, with the caption is a formula, mediates between, lambda, and, is a formula, then, claim, lambda, mediates between, is a formula, and, is a formula, there's an image here in the text. Subheading. Intuition. Picture, lambda, as a pipe between, x subscript, 1, and x subscript, 2. The only way any information can get from, x subscript, 1, to, x subscript, 2, is via that pipe. That's the first diagram is a formula, is a piece of information which is present in both x subscript 1 and x subscript 2, something we can learn from either of them, that's the second pair of diagrams. Intuitively, the only way that can happen is if the information, is a formula, went through the pipe, meaning that we can also learn it from lambda. The third diagram rules out three variable interactions which could mess up that intuitive picture, for instance. The case where one bit of, is a formula, is an XOR of some independent random bit of, lambda, and a bit of, is a formula. Subheading. Qualitative example. Let X subscript 1 and X subscript 2 be the low-level states of two spatially separated macroscopic chunks of an ideal gas at equilibrium. By looking at either of the two chunks, I can tell whether the temperature is above 50 degrees Celsius. Call that, is a formula. More generally, the two chunks are independent given the pressure and temperature of the gas. Call that, lambda. Notice that, is a formula, is a function of, lambda, that is I can compute whether the temperature is above 50 degrees Celsius from the pressure and temperature itself, so, lambda, mediates between, is a formula, and, is a formula. Some extensions of this example. We could add more information to, lambda. 
For instance, lambda could be the pressure and temperature and also the outcome of a die roll unrelated to the gas. Or, lambda could be the entire low-level state of one of the two chunks. We could remove information from, is a formula. For instance, is a formula, could be a bit indicating whether the temperature is above 100 degrees Celsius. Intuitive mental picture. In general, lambda can't have too little information. It needs to include all information shared, even partially, across x subscript 1 and x subscript 2. Here's a formula. On the other hand, can't have too much information. It can only include information which is fully shared across x subscript 1 and x subscript 2. Subheading. Proof. This is a diagrammatic proof. See some rules for an algebra of Bayes nets for how to read it. That post also walks through a version of this same proof as an example, so you should also look there if you want a more detailed walkthrough. There's an image here in the text. Throughout this post, is a formula, denotes all components of, is a formula, except for, x subscript i, dot. Subheading. Approximation. If the starting diagrams are satisfied approximately, that is they have small KL divergence from the underlying distribution, then the final diagram is also approximately satisfied, that is has small KL divergence from the underlying distribution. We can find quantitative bounds by propagating error through the proof. There's an image here in the text. Again, see the algebra of Bayes nets post for an unpacking of this notation and the proofs for each individual step. Subheading. Qualitative example. Note that our previous example realistically involved approximation. Two chunks of an ideal gas won't be exactly independent given pressure and temperature. But they'll be independent to a very, very, tight approximation, so our conclusion will also hold to a very tight approximation. Subheading. Quantitative example. Suppose I have a biased coin, with bias, theta. Alice flips the coin 1000 times, then takes the median of her flips. Bob also flips the coin 1000 times, then takes the median of his flips. We'll need a prior on theta, so for simplicity let's say it's uniform on 0, 1. Intuitively, so long as bias theta is unlikely to be very close to 1 half, Alice and Bob will find the same median with very high probability. So, let x subscript 1 be Alice 1000 flips, and x subscript 2 be Bob's 1000 flips. Let lambda be the bias, theta. Note that the flips are independent given theta, satisfying our first condition exactly. Let, is a formula, be the median computed by either Bob or Alice, we're assuming they are the same with high probability. Since the same median can be computed with high probability from either x subscript 1 or x subscript 2, our second condition is approximately satisfied. Since the median is computed as a deterministic function of, is a formula, our third condition is satisfied exactly. The fundamental theorem will then say that the bias approximately mediates between the median, either Alice, or Bob's, and the coin flips, is a formula. To quantify the approximation on the fundamental theorem, we first need to quantify the approximation on the second condition, the other two conditions hold exactly in this example, so their epsilon sr0. Let's take, is a formula, to be Alice, median. Alice flips mediate between Bob's flips and the median exactly, that is, is a formula, but Bob's flips mediate between Alice flips and the median, that is, is a formula, only approximately. Let's compute that, is a formula, is a formula, is a formula, 
Here's a formula. This is a Dirichlet multinomial distribution, so it will be cleaner if we rewrite in terms of. Here's a formula. Here's a formula. And. Here's a formula. Here's a formula. Is a function of n subscript 1, so the. Here's a formula. Is. Here's a formula. Assuming I simplified the gamma functions correctly, we then get. Here's a formula. That is uniform over 0, n. Here's a formula. Here's a formula. Here's a formula. And there's only. Here's a formula. Values of. Here's a formula. So we can combine those expressions with a Python script to evaluate everything. There's a code block here in the text. The script spits out h equals 0.058 bits. Sanity check. The main contribution to the entropy should be when theta is near 0.5, in which case the median should have roughly one bit of entropy. How close to 0.5? Well, with, here's a formula, data points, posterior uncertainty should be of order, here's a formula, so the estimate of theta should be precise to roughly, here's a formula, in either direction. Theta is initially uniform on 0, 1. So distance 0.03 in either direction around 0.5 covers about 0.06 in prior probability, and the entropy should be roughly that times 1 bit, so roughly 0.06 bits. Which is exactly what we found, closer than this sanity check had any business being, really. Sanity check passes. Returning to the fundamental theorem, is a formula, is 0, is a formula, is 0, is a formula, is roughly 0.058 bits. So, the theorem says that the coin's true bias approximately mediates between the coin flips and Alice median, to within, is a formula, 0.12 bits. Exercise. If we track that epsilon s a little more carefully through the proof, we'll find that we can actually do somewhat better in this case. Show that, for this example, the coin's true bias approximately mediates between the coin flips and Alice median to within, is a formula, that is roughly 0.058 bits. Subheading. Extension. More stuff in the world. Let's add another random variable, here's a formula, to the setup, representing other stuff in the world. Here's a formula, can have any relationship at all with, here's a formula, but lambda must still induce independence between x subscript 1 and x subscript 2. Further, here's a formula, must not give any more information about, here's a formula, than was already available from x subscript 1 or x subscript 2. Diagrams. There are several images here in the text. Then, as before, we conclude. There's an image here in the text. For instance, in our ideal gas example, we could take, here's a formula, to be the rest of the ideal gas, besides the two chunks x subscript 1 and x subscript 2. Then, our earlier conclusions still hold, even though there's more stuff physically in between x subscript 1 and x subscript 2, and interacting with both of them. The proof goes through much like before, with an extra z dangling everywhere. There's an image here in the text. And, as before, we can propagate error through the proof to obtain an approximate version. There's an image here in the text. Subheading. Natural latents. Suppose that a single latent variable, lambda, approximately, satisfies both the first two conditions of the fundamental theorem, that is. There's an image here in the text. We call these the naturality conditions. If lambda, approximately, satisfies both conditions, then we call lambda, a, natural latent. Example. If x subscript 1 and x subscript 2 are two spatially separated mesoscopic chunks of an ideal gas, then the tuple, 
pressure, temperature, is a natural latent between the two. The first property, mediation, applies because pressure and temperature together determine all the intensive quantities of the gas, like for example density, and the low-level state of the gas is, approximately, independent across spatially separated chunks given those quantities. The second property, insensitivity, applies because the pressure and temperature can be precisely and accurately estimated from either chunk. Subheading. The resample. Recall earlier that we said the condition. There's an image here in the text. Would be satisfied by construction in our typical use case. It's time for that construction. The trick. If we have a natural latent, lambda, then construct a new natural latent by resampling, lambda, conditional on, is a formula, that is sample from, is a formula, independently of whatever other stuff, is a formula, we're interested in. The resampled, lambda, will have the same joint distribution with, is a formula, as, lambda, does, so it will also be a natural latent, but it won't have any, side channel, interactions with other variables in the system, all of its interactions with everything else are mediated by, is a formula, by construction. From here on out, we'll usually assume that natural latents have been resampled, and we'll try to indicate that with the phrase, resampled natural latent. Subheading. Minimality and maximality. Finally, we're ready for our main theorems of interest about natural latents. Assume that, lambda, is a resampled natural latent over, here's a formula, take any other latent, here's a formula, about which, x subscript 1, and x subscript 2, give, approximately, the same information, that is. There's an image here in the text. Then, by the fundamental theorem. There's an image here in the text. So, lambda, is, in this sense, the, most informative, latent about which, x subscript 1, and x subscript 2, give the same information. There's an image here, with the caption. Lambda, is the, most informative about, is a formula, variable which satisfies these conditions. X subscript 1, and X subscript 2, give, approximately, the same information about, lambda, and for any other latent, is a formula, such that, X subscript 1, and X subscript 2, give, approximately, the same information about, is a formula, lambda, tells us, approximately, everything which, is a formula, does about, is a formula, and possibly more. This is the, maximality condition. Flipping things around. Take any other latent, is a formula, which, approximately, induces independence between, x subscript 1, and x subscript 2. There's an image here in the text. By the fundamental theorem. There's an image here in the text. So, lambda, is, in this sense, the, least informative, latent which induces independence between, x subscript 1, and, x subscript 2. There's an image here, with the caption. Lambda is the most informative about is a formula variable which satisfies this condition. Lambda approximately induces independence between x subscript 1 and x subscript 2 and for any other latent is a formula which approximately induces independence between x subscript 1 and x subscript 2 is a formula tells us approximately everything which lambda does about is a formula and possibly more. This is the minimality condition. Further notes. Here's a list of bullet points. The minimality condition implies the natural latent conditions. Proof. Take is a formula to be either x subscript 1 or x subscript 2. 
Both minimality and maximality imply a unique standard form, see appendix, so any resampled natural latent in standard form is also the unique natural and minimal and maximal latent in standard form. In the approximate case, this becomes approximate uniqueness. Furthermore, any natural latent can be transformed into standard form, as the phrase standard form implies. In standard form, a natural latent is always approximately a deterministic function of, here's a formula. Specifically, here's a formula. Natural and minimal latents do not always exist, and maximal latents sometimes exist in cases where natural, minimal latents don't. For example, if x subscript 1 and x subscript 2 are two flips of a biased coin of unknown bias, then no natural latent exists to a good approximation. Intuitively, it's because we don't have enough data to precisely identify the bias which mediates between the data points. Basically everything about approximation and other parts of the world carries over to naturality and minimality and maximality. That's the end of the list. Subheading. Example. In the ideal gas example, two chunks of gas are independent given, pressure, temperature, and pressure, temperature, can be precisely estimated from either chunk. So, pressure, temperature, is, approximately, a natural latent across the two chunks of gas. The resampled natural latent would be the, pressure, temperature, estimated by looking only at the two chunks of gas. If there is some other latent which induces independence between the two chunks, like, say, the low-level state trajectory of all the gas in between the two chunks, then the, pressure, temperature, estimated from the two chunks of gas must, approximately, be a function of that latent. And, if there is some other latent about which the two chunks give the same information, like, say, a bit which is one if and only if temperature is above 50 degrees Celsius, then, pressure, temperature, estimated from the two chunks of gas must, approximately, also give that same information. Heading. General case. Now we move on to more than two variables. The proofs generally follow the same structure as the two-variable case, just with more bells and whistles, and are mildly harder to intuit. This time, rather than ease into it, we'll include approximation and other parts of the world, is a formula, in the theorems up front. Subheading. The fundamental theorem. Suppose we have a distribution, is a formula, over random variables x subscript 1, x subscript n, is a formula. A latent variable, lambda, which induces independence between all x subscript i, first diagram below. A latent variable, is a formula, which is insensitive to any, x subscript i, given all the others, second diagram below. Further, assume that, is a formula, mediates between, lambda, and, is a formula, third diagram below. This last assumption will be exactly satisfied by construction in the minimality and maximality theorems below. There's an image here in the text. Then, claim, lambda, mediates between, is a formula, and, is a formula. There's an image here in the text. The diagrammatic proof, with approximation. There's an image here in the text. Note that the error bound is somewhat unimpressive, since it scales with the system size. We can strengthen the approximation mainly by using a stronger insensitivity condition for, is a formula. For instance, if, is a formula, is insensitive to either of two halves of the system, then we can reuse the error bounds from the simplified two-variable case earlier. Subheading. Natural latents. Suppose a single latent, lambda, approximately, satisfies both the main conditions. There's an image here in the text. 
we call these the naturality conditions, and we call lambda a approximate natural latent over. Here's a formula. The resample step works exactly as before. We'll generally assume that lambda has been resampled conditional on. Here's a formula. And try to indicate that with the phrase resampled natural latent. Subheading. Minimality and maximality. Assume lambda is a resampled natural latent over. Here's a formula. Take any other latent. Here's a formula. About which. Here's a formula. Gives, approximately, the same information as. Here's a formula. For any. Here's a formula. There's an image here in the text. By the fundamental theorem. There's an image here in the text. So, lambda is, in this sense, the most informative latent about which all. Here's a formula. Give the same information. There's an image here in the text. All. Here's a formula. Give, approximately, the same information about lambda and for any other latent. Here's a formula. Such that all. Here's a formula. Give, approximately, the same information about. Here's a formula. Lambda tells us, approximately, everything which. Here's a formula. Does about. Here's a formula. And possibly more. This is the maximality condition. Flipping things around. Take any other latent. Here's a formula. Which, approximately, induces independence between components of. Here's a formula. By the fundamental theorem. There's an image here in the text. So, lambda is, in this sense, the least informative latent which induces independence between components of. Here's a formula. There's an image here in the text. Lambda, approximately, induces independence between components of. Here's a formula. And for any other latent. Here's a formula. Which, approximately, induces independence between components of. Here's a formula. Here's a formula. Tells us, approximately, everything which lambda does about. Here's a formula. And possibly more. This is the minimality condition. Much like the simplified two-variable case. Here's a list of bullet points. The minimality condition implies the natural latent conditions. Proof. Take. Here's a formula. To be. Here's a formula. For each. Here's a formula. Both minimality and maximality imply an approximately unique standard form, see appendix, so any natural latent in standard form is also the approximately unique natural and minimal and maximal latent in standard form. Furthermore, any natural latent can be transformed into standard form, as the phrase standard form implies. In standard form, a natural latent is always approximately a deterministic function of. Here's a formula. Specifically, here's a formula. Natural and minimal latents do not always exist, and maximal latents sometimes exist in cases where natural, minimal latents don't. Everything about approximation and other parts of the world carries over to naturality and minimality and maximality. That's the end of the list. Subheading. Example. Suppose we have a die of unknown bias, which is rolled many times, enough to obtain a precise estimate of the bias many times over. Then, the die rolls are independent given the bias, and we can get approximately the same estimate of the bias while ignoring any one die roll. So, the dye's bias is an approximate natural latent. The resampled natural latent is the bias sampled from a posterior distribution of the bias given the dye rolls. One interesting thing to note in this example. Imagine that, instead of resampling the bias given the dye rolls, we use the average frequencies from the dye rolls. Would that be a natural latent? Answer in spoiler text. The average frequencies tell us the exact counts of each outcome among the dye rolls. So, with the average frequencies and all but one die roll, we can back out the value of that last die roll with certainty.
just count up outcomes among all the other die rolls, then see which outcome is missing. That means the average frequencies and is a formula together give us much more information about x subscript i than either one alone. Neither of the two natural latent conditions holds. This example illustrates that the small uncertainty in lambda is actually load-bearing in typical problems. In this case, the low-order bits of the average frequencies contain lots of information relevant to is a formula, while the low-order bits of the natural latent don't. The most subtle challenges and mistakes in using natural latents tend to hinge on this point. Subheading. Other threads. We've now covered the main theorems of interest. This section offers a couple of conjectures, with minimal commentary. Subheading. Universal natural latent conjecture. Suppose there exists an approximate natural latent over, here's a formula, construct a new random variable, here's a formula, sampled from the distribution, here's a formula. In other words, simultaneously resample each x subscript i, given all the others. Conjecture, here's a formula, is an approximate natural latent, though the approximation may not be the best possible. And if so, a key question is, how good is the approximation? Further conjecture. A natural latent exists over, is a formula, if and only if, is a formula, is a natural latent over, is a formula, note that we can always construct, is a formula, regardless of whether a natural latent exists, and, is a formula, will always exactly satisfy the first natural latent condition over, is a formula, by construction. Again, assuming the conjecture holds at all, a key question is to find the relevant approximation bounds. Subheading. Maxent conjecture. Assuming the universal natural latent conjecture holds, whenever there exists a natural latent, is a formula, and, is a formula, would approximately satisfy both of these two diagrams. There's an image here in the text. If we forget about all the context and just look at these two diagrams, one natural move is. Convert to undirected graphical models, in this case, just remove the arrowheads. Apply the Hammersley-Clifford method. And the result would be that, is a formula, must be of the maxent form. Is a formula, for some, phi. Unfortunately, Hammersley Clifford requires, is a formula, everywhere. Probabilities of zero are extremely load bearing for natural latents in the exact case, and probabilities near zero are load bearing in the approximate case. If the distribution is zero nowhere, then it can only have a natural latent if the x subscript i, s are all independent, in which case the trivial variable is a natural latent. On the other hand, Maxent Shaw does seem to be a theme of natural latents in for example physics. So the question is, does some version of this argument work? If there are loopholes, are there relatively few qualitative categories of loopholes which could be classified? Heading. Appendix. Machinery for latent variables. If you get confused about things like what exactly is a latent variable, this is the appendix for you. For our purposes, a latent variable, lambda, over a random variable, is a formula, is defined by a distribution function, is a formula, that is a distribution which tells us how to sample, lambda, from, is a formula. For instance, in the ideal gas example, the latent average temperature, lambda, can be defined by the distribution of average energy as a function of the gas state, is a formula, in this case a deterministic distribution, since average energy is a deterministic function of the gas state. As another example, consider the unknown bias of a die, lambda, 
and a bunch of rolls of the die. Here's a formula. We would take the latent bias to be defined by the function mapping the rolls. Here's a formula. To the posterior distribution of the bias given the rolls. Here's a formula. So, if we talk about for example, existence of a latent. Here's a formula. With the following properties, we're really talking about the existence of a conditional distribution function. Here's a formula. Such that the random variable. Here's a formula. Which it introduces satisfies the relevant properties. When we talk about any latent satisfying the following properties, we're really talking about any conditional distribution function. Here's a formula, such that the variable, lambda, satisfies the relevant properties. Toy mental model behind this way of treating latent variables. There are some variables, here's a formula, out in the world, and those variables have some, true frequencies, here's a formula. Different agents learn to model those true frequencies using different generative models, and those different generative models each contain their own latents. So the underlying distribution, here's a formula, is fixed, but different agents introduce different latents with different, here's a formula. Here's a formula, is taken to be definitional because it tells us everything about the joint distribution of, lambda, and, here's a formula, which is not already pinned down by, here's a formula. This is probably not the most general or powerful mental model to use for this math, but it's a convenient starting point. Subheading. Standard form of a latent variable. Suppose that, here's a formula, consists of a bunch of rolls of a biased die, and a latent, lambda, consists of the bias of the die along with the flip of one coin which is completely independent of the rest of the system. A different latent for the same system consists of just the bias of the die. We'd like some way to say that these two latents contain the same information for purposes of, here's a formula. To do that, we'll introduce a, standard form, here's a formula, relative to, here's a formula, for any latent variable, lambda. Here's a formula. We'll say that a latent is in standard form if, when we use the above function to put it into standard form, we end up with a random variable equal to the original. So, a latent, here's a formula, in standard form satisfies. Here's a formula. As the phrase standard form suggests, putting a standard form latent into standard form leaves it unchanged, that is, here's a formula, will satisfy, here's a formula, for any latent, lambda. That's a lemma of the minimal map theorem. Conceptually, the standard form throws out all information which is completely independent of, here's a formula, and keeps everything else. In standard statistics jargon, the likelihood function is always a minimal sufficient statistic. See the minimal map theorem for more explanation. This article was narrated by Type 3 Audio for Less Wrong. It was first published on December 27, 2023. To report an issue or give feedback on this narration, go to t3a.i.s.